Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Hospitality 360. We've got a very exciting show for you today. Um, we're going to do your weekly news and review, and um, we're going to have different perspectives by different people in the industry. I'm Ritu Rani. I'm one of your hosts. I'm here along with Ken Patel, um, CEO and founder of EV Hotel Group. Good morning, Ken. How are you this Thursday? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, just very busy day today. Uh, very busy day. But, you know, I'm excited to have Chip on here. Um, just found out some phenomenal news uh, that I probably won't discuss on the general public <laughs> here. But, you know, uh, I'm excited to have Chip on. Obviously, Tejo from our All Women Advisory Board as well. Uh, so excited to have her on as well. Yes, so we've got we've got two very special guests, Chip Rogers, who's as all of you know is the president and the American Hotel and Lodging Association, the AHL. Oh, I think she's got and Rita Good morning to you as well, she's a fellow advisory EV hotel, and she means. Uh, all right. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Tejal Patel. Can you all hear me? You're kind of lagging a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we can. Your internet's a little bit spot, spotty there on your side, but uh, it's okay. Um, I think, thank you for the intro, Ritu. So, Tejal, you can take it away. <laughs> all right. Hey, everyone. My name is Tejal Patel. Um, I am so excited to be here. Um, Hope everyone is doing well, wherever you're tuning in from. Um, and yeah, I'm ready to get this show started. <laughs> okay, well, Tejal, I'm going to ask you to take over. I'm, I'm still traveling. I'm still in Louisiana. So if it starts to cut out, last week we ended the show with an article from um, Lodging Magazine where it talks about the Safe Stay program, which the AHLA has been extremely involved in. So this started last year and it started at the beginning of the pandemic and it's basically you know to let to, to make our hotels more safe for people that are visiting and for the staff so there are a lot of different initiatives that have been put into place um, like cleaning procedures interactions in the workplace and this couldn't have been done without the help of other organizations that the H AHLA has been working very, very closely with, but there are new protocols that are coming into place, especially for the urban hotels. And Chip, I wanted to know from you, you know, how did this all come about? What do you see, you know, down the road for how this program is evolving as we open up? Well, first, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, always good to see you. I haven't seen Tejal in a while. Nice to see you, Tejal. Um, yeah, we knew from the very beginning, uh, really all the way back to last March, that that cleanliness and, and health and safety were going to be the primary drivers for the recovery. So we knew that guests absolutely had to stay in a safe and clean place. In fact, we do constant polling 
um, with our friends at Morning Consult, and, and we found out in about two, a two-week span that cleanliness and safety was about the fourth or fifth concern of travelers, all the way up to number one, and it stayed number one up until just a couple of months ago. Uh, so we knew it was a primary concern, but in addition to that, we also had to make sure, as you pointed out, that hotel uh, workers, that our team members were coming back into a safe environment. And so we knew this was imperative to bring the entire industry to, together, which is what we did. And so we created Safe State last April, uh, more than a year ago. And we got every major brand. AHOA was uh, joined at the hip with us. Ecolab, which as many of you know in the industry is, is kind of the force behind all cleaning and sanitation, um, brought all those groups together, ownership groups, Ambridge, uh, world's largest management company. And um, we came up with a set of guidelines that mirror what the CDC has said along that can be applied to the hotel workplace. Um, and so it's worked incredibly well. We're on our fifth iteration of Safe Stay. Uh, it's been adopted by just about everybody uh, and it seems to be doing the job. Well, that that's really great. You guys have done an, an excellent job getting that getting that through and really educating everyone. Ken, do you have any thoughts on, on Safe Stay? And I, well, I just think it's a phenomenal program. I think um, Chip and his team have just went way beyond anyone's expectations. And, you know, and Chip's just done a tremendous job in this industry. I've been in it 25 years. I'm sure he's been in it much longer. And, you know, I've followed him for many years, um, all the way, like as Tato was saying, going back to Hoa and, you know, and it, this is something that he's always 10 steps ahead. You know, I always say that. Chip Rogers is always 10 steps ahead. And he reminds me of, um, what's what's the quote? Oh, my God. How am I? Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> you know, where he's 10 steps ahead all the time. And, you know, but all, all we got to do is obviously thank AHLA for what they're doing and even – you know, my, my thing is that what are we going to look at with this program into the future? Because some of the items were, I think, um, Chip and AHLA said that we might be looking at 2023, 2024. So, and I don't think, I think this is a perfect opportunity for everybody to know that we need to have these standards in for a very long time. This is not as two years, three years, or four years we need to kind of change the industry to implement these standards for a very long time. So it's a phenomenal job uh, from Chip and AHLA. I have Thank to add on to that. So I, and again, big kudos to AHLA for spearheading this initiative. Um, so when this was first introduced, we actually implemented it at our properties. We signed the pledge and we actually displayed some of the, the materials and resources that AHLA provided throughout the hotel. And and like I'm not saying it just to bring clout to the initiative, but it really is impactful because it helped our guests feel safer. It helped our employees feel safer. Um, and that's what our industry is about, right? We're here to take care of each other, whether you're a guest or our employees. Um, but with that being said, so we're seeing that safe stay is evolving a little bit. Um, a couple of years ago, AHLA released a new initiative uh, with the Five Star Promise, which was geared towards just providing a safer environment for our employees. Um, so now with the pandemic chip, um, how has that program evolved? Uh, what's the update on that? Well, thanks for the question, Tejal. I think you're exactly right. This, um, this idea about safety and cleanliness in a hotel, as Ken pointed out, 
that's not something that just stops today because the pandemic is hopefully winding down. Um, that's going to be with us because we have a new set of guest expectations. Um, and in accordance with you know keeping a room safe, we also have to make sure that our employees are safe. So this is something that we started many years ago, the Five Star Promise, to make sure that employees had personal safety devices. And that was really the kind of the crux of what the Five Star Promise was and is and will continue to be, along with the training to make sure that, yes, you have your personal safety device, but how are you taking steps to make sure that in the workplace, you're not put in a position uh, that could be unsafe. And so all the major brands adopted it. The rollout is still happening. I mean, we knew it wasn't going to happen overnight. The technology continues to change, which is interesting. Because when we first started talking about it, you know, you had some simple devices that just made noise. Now you have devices that have GPS tracking. Um, and it really depends on what type of property you're in, whether that makes a difference or not. If you think about it, if you're in a large, say, 500 room resort property and you have something that just makes noise, well, that may not work because who's going to hear it? You could be one of the far stretches of the property. If you're in a 20 room boutique hotel, uh, a personal safety device that makes a lot of noise is going to make a lot more sense. And the vice versa would be true for something with, that has GPS tracking. If you're in a 20 room hotel, you may not have GPS tracking, but if you're in a 500 room resort, it might make sense. And so this implementation has continued to be rolled out. Um, but Tejal, as you pointed out, this is all part of a larger, a larger idea uh, that kind of permeates through our industry that guests should be safe, workers should be safe, that we should be providing a clean environment. I think that's what people expect. Also, by the way, it's what separates us from uh, the short-term rental industry. Uh, and, and I think people have seen that uh, over this year. In fact, there was some polling that came out again from our friends at Morning Consult that showed that guests feel more comfortable in a hotel than they do a short-term rental because of many of the things that we talk about, the standards of cleaning and safety understanding that if there's a problem, there's somebody they can call who can respond almost immediately. And so all of these things make a difference whether you're talking about personal safety or cleaning throughout the hotel. I, I definitely agree, Chip. That's such a good point to bring up because you know a lot of people say, well, why don't you just stay at an Airbnb. I was just in New Orleans this weekend and, you know, the hotels are, they're, they're full. And I'm, and I just, I don't feel comfortable personally because again, it's what you're saying, especially now with the pandemic, I don't know if they're cleaning the rooms properly to the same standards as, as the bigger brands. And I also, um, it's just hard as a woman. You just don't know, you know, the safety protocols that there is someone there to take care of stuff. So that's that's definitely a, a very good point. So thank you for that. Um, there's another thing that um, you guys have been very involved in is the um, the Save Jobs Act. And I wanted to know, you know, Chip, if you can comment on, you know, what's happening with the Save Jobs Act. Like, where are we um, in terms of getting getting that passed? Well, first, it's been a long labor even to get to this point. We actually started working on um, this legislation back during the Trump administration. And the idea was, is that hotel workers have been impacted in a way that almost no other worker in any other industry has been impacted. Um, you know, we started this pandemic with 900,000 job openings. Uh, that was back in January of 2020. And so we have this incredible value uh, as Ken was pointing out, of the team members that are around us, because they really are what make the hospitality industry so special. And so back in really October of last year, we began saying, how can we get funding that can go to these workers, many of them who have been out of work at that point for nine or 10 months, now you know, 14 or 15 months, particularly in the urban city centers, how can we help keep them 
keep them alive, keep them afloat uh, financially and keep them tied to our industry because that is so critical. If they leave and go somewhere else, they're probably not going to come back, at least not in the short term. And so we're seeing that now with the, with the labor problems. And I will talk more about that later. But we began working, uh, trying to put together legislation. You then had an election which changed everything. Um, it also necessitated that we began working directly with our friends at Unite Here, uh, which is the organized labor union for, for the hospitality industry. Uh, we're proud to say that a couple of months ago, we came to an agreement with Unite Here. That was a long process, believe me, because we normally don't see eye to eye on all the issues, but we do on this one, and that's helping hotel workers. And so we came to an agreement. Um, they have endorsed the legislation. We've endorsed the legislation. We had Senator Brian Schatz uh, from Hawaii and Congressman Charlie Crist from Florida uh, introduced to the House and the Senate. We're still in the process of gathering co-sponsors. Um, we've got to reach a certain threshold uh, before we can get that in legislation moving faster. And the reality is in Congress right now that almost all legislation is going to have to be attached to some larger bill. Uh, there's very few independent pieces of legislation that are making it through. And so that's kind of our game plan. It's going to take us most of the summer. But I will tell you this, unless hoteliers speak up, and that's everybody listening to me today, contact their members of Congress, let them know that you support this legislation. Um, it's not going to happen. Uh, it's incredibly important legislation. It would pump about 20 to $25 billion into our industry that is desperately needed. We're an industry that lost $110 billion in, in 2020 alone. Um, it would help out hotel employees. And it, it is really something that could be a, a kind of a life uh, preserver for a lot of hotels that are still struggling and trying to make up all that lost revenue and trying to help their employees. So really important legislation. I'm sure we'll talk more about it, but uh, but it could be something big for our industry. Yeah. And, you know, th thank you for mentioning that on your website. There, there is a place where you can go and, and show your support for it. And um, we'll, we'll post that on the on thank the you. EV hotel group after after the show. So, Ken or Tejal, do you have any other thoughts on that? Uh, no, other than I will just echo that AHLA is the greatest organizations when it comes to hospitality advocacy. And there are a few others as well. And so um, we in order to get this passed, right, it's we can't just have like 10 people sign it. So therefore, please, you know, when you see the link, just share it, blast out in all your networks. Um, I think I'm going to get kicked out of a couple hotelier WhatsApp groups because I literally <laughs> hit multiple, multiple times. But, um, you know, our industry is stronger in numbers. So yeah, please, please sign up and gather the support. I mean, I, I think, you know, I'm sorry, Chip, go ahead. Now, I was going to say, Tejal is is a hundred percent right. You've got you, you need massive numbers. That's what that's what elected officials. Uh, that's what they look at. They they look at how what is the response they're getting. Is are their phones ringing off the hooks? Hooks? Are we filling up their email boxes? And when that happens, uh, strangely enough, the needle begins to move. And someone just said that they already contacted their local reps. I didn't see their name, but good, good job. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We it looks like we've had a bunch of people that are saying that they're contacting their local reps and even reaching out. So that's great. I mean, the, the reach is happening. So, no, I, I mean, you know, I, I agree with everything that AHLA is doing and how they're doing it. Um, you know, our first convention as EV Hotel Group, Be Human, and even this show, Hospitality 360, we've been talking about Alice. So, you know, we'll definitely see you there, Chip. We love, I'll be love there. what you 
Well, speaking speaking of labor, so you know that brings us to topic number three, which we we we've been touching on on a lot of our shows, um, just about how the labor market is shifting due to the pandemic. And you know we've touched in a lot of the other shows about how you know the, the unemployment assistance, all of that, you know, is contributing. But there is a bigger issue about staffing shortages across the board and people in the industry who have just left and you know the research is showing that they're not coming back and so there is actually going to be a labor shortage even after everyone's talking about the unemployment you know everyone's getting unemployment money you know that's going to go away but i really i mean i see it i was just traveling this weekend as i said i was in new orleans and a lot of the restaurants are closed um you know the the, the front desk is doing too many jobs um it, it just i don't know what the future is going to look like but i'd love to hear chip's thoughts like six months down the line 10 months down the line, you know, there, there's still going to be a shortage of labor. Um, we're, we're seeing it in the news every single week. What's going to happen here? How, how do we fix this also? Well, it, it, there is no silver bullet. Uh, both Tajel and Ken know that this was a serious problem before the pandemic. And now it's at, at yeah. a level that we've never seen before. So we actually at HLA just got approval from our board uh, to go out and spend a, a lot of money. Uh, <laughs> into the uh, seven-figure range to work in five cities to look specifically at this problem. And what we're doing is we're doing from some very in-depth research and polling, finding out from workers why they don't want to come into the hospitality industry and finding out from them what we could offer that would get them into the hospitality industry. We're layer layering on top of that hiring fairs, both in-person and, and virtual. And once we get done with these five cities, we're going to take what we've learned figuring out what works and what doesn't work and, and share that with all of our members. So that if you're in, in an Atlanta or if you're in a Houston or if you're in New Orleans um, and you're running a hotel there, you may know uh, or may be able to use some of the information we provide you to get more people uh, to, to join your team. Here's a shocking statistic that I think everybody needs to keep in mind. Prior to the pandemic, at the six month mark of hiring someone who works as a, as a room attendant, those people, the 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 the, uh, the rate of people that were still on the job at the six month mark, is thirty percent. That was before the pandemic. So right. we have a very difficult problem of just once we find somebody actually holding on to them. But you know, you pointed out all the problems. First and foremost, the additional unemployment insurance. I don't care what anyone says. We know we pulled our membership. It is significant. It is having a major major impact. There's no question about it. Second thing, you've got places like Amazon. Uh, Walmart, Home Depot, and others who have scooped up, who have done exceptionally well during this pandemic, that have scooped up all these workers and provided them with a stable workplace. And they look at hospitality and what's happened to us over the last 16 months. And they say, you know, I'm a little concerned about that. I may like my job, but I don't know how stable it is. And so those workers are, that, that have left the industry, they may not be coming back. Uh, third, as I pointed out earlier, we started this pandemic, 900,000 workers in the whole. Fourth, you have that major issue with immigration. And in addition to immigration, the guest worker program, the guest worker program has not worked, uh, whether it's Republican or Democrat, they just haven't fixed it. We've been shouting from the rooftops. There's, there's ways to fix this, but the Congress has not listened to that. So whether it's immigration or guest workers, that problem has got to be solved. And then I think the most important thing, and this is where AHLA and our foundation is doing a lot of work, and it's going to be long-term work, 
is how do we reshape what our industry looks like to people that are just starting their careers? Because we've got to do a better job of talking about the incredible opportunity that is in hospitality, what it means to be in a service-oriented industry to serve others, and personal satisfaction that comes out of that. Um, we don't do a very good job of selling our industry. We've got to do a better job because that's the only way long-term we're going to shift this narrative. Yeah, Chip, I, I, I agree completely with everything that you're saying. And, and we've talked about it on a lot of the shows. Um, you know, we need to do a better job of training, of marketing, of sales, like all of that in the industry to keep people longer term. Ken, I know you've got some some serious opinions on this as you as you share with us. Can you share some some of them? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've said this since 2016. I've said it since 2018. 2018, our employment rate in this country was 5.1%, and we still were looking for GMs. You know, the development programs need to be at the highest levels. I've said the tech companies are doing tremendous work. I've seen the bartenders during this pandemic from serving drinks to now they're coding software. So... You know, I think a lot of things have changed now dramatically. And, you know, it has a lot to do with how we're doing with the development programs, how we're actually going to, you know, speaking to the Harvard Business School, these kids were telling me that we don't want to work in hospitality because it's labor intensive. We want technology. And I think we're getting there. I think, you know, that's obviously going to be a little bit later, but I love what AHLA did with technology. And, you know, there's a lot of different things that we are going to be able to change it, but we need to get and kind of get everybody needs to get on one page about it. Like what I, I think three weeks ago when I sent the article about here in Atlanta, what uh, I think it was UPS was doing where they're hiring 250 or 300 employees over the next three months, but their part-timers are always turned into full-timers. And then they have a certain development program with the tuition assistant. So it's not, I, I think we always struggle with, okay, let's just pay this employee $16. Let's pay this employee $17. They'll work for us. I think it's more of the development side. And I think what Chip and his, his foundation there, uh, what they're doing, and I believe strongly in how they're going to tie all this into together because They've also had over 100,000 certifications completed within AHLA. I mean, that's amazing. And all in that is all about development and educating and mentoring. And we need that. We definitely need that. I mean, this labor force is not going to move till we have that. You know, I think these employees, I mean, I get three to four calls a day from employees and even six to seven messages on LinkedIn, probably even more than that. But they tell me they're just ticked off um, that they never got phone calls when they were furloughed and things of that nature. But I mean, I tell them, look, it was a real bad time. You know, it's a very it was a very, very bad time. And, you know, I think people just weren't thinking they didn't have the right mindset what to do. But let's just all come together and we can all solve this as just a one big union that we don't have. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, 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 I want to add one other thing, you know, since I'm, I'm looking at this more from the real estate perspective, when I have buyers looking for properties and they're always asking for value add, 
you wouldn't believe how much of it is on hotel mismanagement. It's not because the hotel needs a PIP. I mean, that's, that's one thing, but it, it's because there aren't enough employees because everything hasn't been managed properly. This is pre-pandemic. This is not during the pandemic. So it is a huge issue, um, which just continues to be. And the pandemic has just made it uh, just more and more difficult. Um, We've, we've got a big job ahead of us. Yeah. I, you know, I, go ahead, go ahead Chip. No, go ahead, Chip. Oh, uh, I was just going to say that. No, I think I'm going to echo y'all's thoughts that, yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, I think that our industry is just extremely, extremely demanding, um, just the work that we do day to day. And so the one that I always preach this, that our industry is based upon kindness and empathy. So you need to have empathy for your employees. I mean, I've, I worked for other people for most of my career before I went into the ownership side. And so I remember being a young person, what I wanted when I would go work in a hotel, when I went for a restaurant job, what I needed was like mentorship and development, but also a good culture. And so for those who have been dealing with the opposite, they're scarred. They don't want to come back. And so as owners, as as um, operators, we also kind of look internally. We need to look internally and see where can we make this better for our next employees. And then also recruit, recruit from colleges. I mean, those kids, they're scared, but they're hungry um, to come into this industry. So um, they, they can't come in if we don't give them that chance. So that's yeah. my sermon. <laughs> You know, I was just going to say, too, we, we are really bad. Uh, I shouldn't say we're really bad. We haven't done a good enough job as an industry of really thinking about the cost of this turnover rate, uh, because we you know we think about what's the going rate for someone uh, that's a room attendant. But we don't realize the, the ramp up time. And if, if you're if after six months, you only have 30 percent of your workforce still there. Um, what does that cost to go out and, and reacquire new employees? And at this time where it's so difficult, those costs are going up significantly. So that's one thing. The second thing is, is once they're on the job, are we looking at ways to make them feel more part of the team, asking them what they like about their job, what they don't like about their job? Um, I had an interesting conversation with a hotelier in in, uh, in Minnesota who uh, they have dozens of hotels. And, and he said during this pandemic, one of the things that they changed with cleaning rooms, this is a really interesting approach. He noticed that the rooms themselves were a lot dirtier. And the reason they were a lot dirtier is because everybody was ordering food to go. So they're eating the food to go, and there's trash everywhere. And his top room attendants didn't want to get in there and clean up all that trash. So what he did is he hired three teams. He hired a team of young, typically males, um, who were high schoolers to come in and clean up all the trash. And that's all they did every day. They went from room to room, cleaning up the trash. He hired another team to do any, any lifting, any moving of beds and stuff like that. And then his expert team came in third and they just did the professional cleaning at the end. And his retention rate went through the roof because the folks who had the experience who were doing the cleaning at the end, they were no longer having to pick up the trash. They were no longer having to move heavy, heavy objects. And their, their job satisfaction went through the roof, which is why they stayed. And he said, look, we don't know how long this is going to last, but this approach seems to be working for us. That's really cool. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. And I think, you know, also technology is another thing that can help us um, keep keep the employees. Um, I don't know, Ken, do you want to get into the technology or, or go into some of what the, what we're doing? Yeah, yeah, no, we definitely can. I mean, you know, technology is a big player right now. And I think, you know, um, and this is kind of what I was referring to earlier in the conversation is what AA 
AHLA did with partnering with a technology, I think it's HTNG. And I mean, I think it's phenomenal. I mean, I think everybody in hospitality right now knows what we're doing with DV Human, with the world's first all-in-one software for uh, for guests and employees, ready to be launched here in two weeks. And, you know, uh, we have a lot of partners. I mean, we have Microsoft as a partner and we obviously have other partners overseas, over a hundred hotels already there. And, you know, I think this is a big step as when we look at the internet of things and how the industry is gonna operate. I just spoke to an executive of a hedge fund two days ago and he asked me, he's like, Ken, why did you create EV Human? And it really goes based on the fact that I felt we were gonna have a 30% turnover rate, you know, and how do we cover for that 30% turnover rate? And I felt that we create the different philosophies and that's what we did with DB Hotel Group being the world's first technology hospitality management company where we're turning our front desk into concierge. So no longer are we gonna need to look for employees that have PMS experience and other things with the housekeeping automation with the robots where housekeepers no longer have to clean the bathrooms or vacuum the carpets. So a less task driven system, the only way we do that is with better technology. So, and you know, I'll, I'll obviously let Chip talk about it with their relationship with why they chose to go this route and you know, what their future looks like with technology. Yeah, Ken, really, really good point. You know, when I first took over at HLA, you know, we kind of did an assessment of where was the industry and where was our association? And um, we quickly recognized that many of the challenges that we were facing were technology based and that those were only going to increase. They were not going to decrease. We weren't going to move away from technology. And that we as an association really had a, frankly, a gaping hole there where we weren't uh, up to speed where we needed to be. And so as opposed to slowly but surely uh, building my team in and around that, we went to HTNG and said, look, why don't you guys just become part of AHLA? You have the expertise. You've been doing this for many, many years. You've been on top of this. And so we were able to work that out. It took a little while, but it's great. Uh, they're now all part of the AHLA team. And um, we have a new level of expertise in and around technology. And, and when you think about technology and, and Ken, what you spoke about from the operations standpoint, what you're doing is just amazing stuff that is certainly going to change the game. But even beyond that, when we look at technology with respect to legislation and advocacy, whether it be uh, short-term rentals, whether it be OTAs, whether it be is, whether it's MetaSearch, all of these things are technology-based that are impacting the bottom line of hoteliers. And we have to think about it. We can't let someone else think about it. And so we're, we're, we're in a position now where we can be the experts on those subject matters uh, and, and provide that information to policymakers from the very small level of the down to the city, you know, your city council, all the way up to members of Congress. And they can look at us and recognize that they can depend on the information that we're providing as they think about how to shape future policy. Perfect. I, I appreciate that very much so, Chip. I mean, you know, coming from you telling us how well we're doing with it uh, means a lot. Um, it's been a lot of work, tremendous amount of work. That's my voice even sounds like this. But, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, we knew it was going to be a lot of work. You know, we, we you're going to have some naysayers and uh, we felt like this is something we want it to be for everybody. You know, and when we talk about EV Human, we've said this is just not for a select service 
for full service. We've even made this for economies, boutiques, everybody. So, you know, we want to change this industry for the better and especially for our employees and guests. You know, me coming in this industry since I was 15 years old, you know, I, I know what it takes to work paycheck to paycheck. So, you know, I felt like we, we need to do something for our employees as well and even our guests. So, Hopefully, and I, I love, I, I want to sit down with you guys one day and kind of talk about this whole technology piece. So I look forward to that conversation. Yeah, we'd love to do so. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'll just add, our industry has always been a little bit slow to adopt uh, new and innovative practices, especially when it comes to the tech space. And so I think seeing after the pandemic, um, I think our industry is becoming a little bit more open to it, but there's still a bit of a lag, right? Because a lot of times people think that technology is only um, available to those who have the money to spend on it. And so sometimes the, the smaller hotelier doesn't think that they can implement that. So Chip, I want to ask you with this new partnership that we've got, um, how do you guys plan to trickle the technology shifts through all areas of the I, you cut out there a little bit on me. I'm sorry. Um, so, sorry, uh, internet. But um, I was saying, like, what? How? What can we expect out of the partnership between um, you all? And then how? Like, how can we expect um, technology? The the, I guess the mission to drive it forward. How can we influence um, hoteliers from all sectors to adopt that? Yeah, I you know, Tato, you brought up a good point about um, some of the smaller hoteliers believing that they can't afford this. I would make the argument, and I know Ken would back me up on this. I don't think you can afford not to do things like this um, because the industry is moving that way. You're going to see in short order, you've already seen it, um, that those hotels that find ways to increase performance, uh, increase guest satisfaction, and do it at a lower cost uh, are the hotels that are going to survive and thrive. The only way to accomplish those three things is through technology. You can train your team the best that you can, but at the end of the day, labor costs are going to continue to go up and they're going to go up significantly. And so you've got to layer in technology on top of top talent. And as Kim pointed out earlier, you know, good workers, they want to become more effective in what they do. And using technology can 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 make them that way. If you're not willing to do it, if you're not willing to make those investments, you're not going to survive for, for the long range. There, there's no question about it. And so when we think about what the guests want, uh, particularly what younger people who will be the longer term guests, uh, what they want, what they expect, how they purchase rooms, what they expect when they arrive at those rooms. If you're ignoring that and thinking that they're going to fit into a 1990s model or an early 2000 model, then, then you're going to find yourself in a tough position in short order because that's not what consumers want. And so you've got to do it across the board, whether it's operations, marketing, uh, managing your workforce, managing your revenue. I mean, these are all things that absolutely rely on a technology base. And if you're not doing it, um, you need to look around and see what your competition is doing because they're going to outperform you. Absolutely. I, 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 my challenge would be to honestly, like whenever next time hoteliers, when you're looking at your budget, literally really do set some of your budget aside for technology and see where you can implement it, whether that's on the op side or for your guest side and really, really make an effort to implement it and just go all in. Thank you guys. Yeah. Um, I know we're a little over time, but I wanted to ask Chip um, if you've got a second to just go into a little bit of the survey that you guys um, just did. I know we touched on it a little earlier, but if you can 
just go into that and then give us any final thoughts, um, you know, just about the urban hotel market. Yeah, the sad thing about this pandemic is that it really hurt um, urban hotels more than anybody else and in a significant way. And the reason I say that is not that I don't have favoritism over urban or non-urban hotel, um, but it's the urban hotels that uh, by definition have the largest number of employees. And so um, right. this uneven pain that we felt and uneven recovery is hurting employees uh, a lot more than it, than, it, than it actually should if it were equally distributed across the entire industry. And so you see in these urban city centers that are tied to large convention center hotels, you know, the food and beverage operations are not back up to where they are or where they were. And that means hundreds of thousands of employees don't have their jobs back anymore. These hotels themselves can't operate at full capacity. You've got many um, local elected officials who are still, they still have their head in the sand. They're not recognizing the science. They're not seeing what's happening in other places. And it's making a huge impact, unfortunately, on these employees. And so, I mean, even I'm sitting here in Washington, D.C., even this city is is still struggling to recover. You're just starting to get some of the tour groups coming back, but the convention center hotels are still shut down. Hopefully the museums will be opening up soon and, and people will come back into the city, but it's still struggling and, and it doesn't need to be that way. And so, you know, as we look at the outlook, um, I think your limited service hotels, your resort area hotels, your warm weather hotels, and your hotels in states that have opened up their economies much earlier, they're gonna continue to do well. Um, your hotels that are tied to those convention centers in, in large cities, mainly in the north, um, you know, where the window for summer travel is much, much tighter, um, they're going to continue to struggle. And, that, and that's really unfortunate. It's one of the reasons why the Safe Hotel Jobs Act is so important, because so many of these employees still don't have their jobs back. So, you know, we're still seeing this. Um, it's still problematic. The recovery is, is, is not back. It's going to take a while. We're on the path. But let me give you an, an amazing statistic. And this is not something that's been shared, I don't think, on any media. Um, so I'll okay, share it. Okay, great. We're glad to be the first. <laughs> had my, had my team um, go back and look historically, where are we? And everyone is saying, oh, you know, in the month of May, it was great. Hotels are back. Did you know that hotels performed at a lower rate in May of 2021 than they did September of 2001? Think wow. about that. September 11th happened in 2001. In that month, hotels across the country still performed at a higher rate than they did last month. So when people say we're out of the woods, that is just not true. We're coming out of the woods, but there's still a lot of trees around us. We've got a ways to I, go. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Chip. I mean, I, I preach this to our entire team, I think, every day that I'm like, the summer business is summer business. You know, that's yes. what I say. It's if anyone thought this wasn't coming, then obviously I don't know where you've been in hospitality because this happens every summer. It's just happened at a rate that's maybe 30 percent more than usual. But, you know, the real number is going to be when September rolls out. You know, mm -hmm. let's see what it does when September is it. But, you know, I couldn't agree with you more. But that that data that you just I, that's just astounding. I mean, me being from New York City, witnessing the whole thing that happened there and even right now witnessing what's going on with all my friends and everybody over there. And, you know, it, it's, it's amazing to know they, they've told me the same thing that they said, this was something that didn't even outweigh nine 11, but it's, I, I mean, it's just amazing to see what's going to happen here in the next two, three months and even four months and kind of how, 
do we cut if we have it's like the stock market right and i'm heavy in the stock market it's like when i see a dip i'm buying it you know but what happens now when we see a dip what are we going to do are we ready for the dip again so that's what i always say that it's okay there is going to be a dip but what are you going to do when that dip happens because we can't expect our labor force to come back and then we have a dip and you say you're furloughed again right. you know it's just not gonna look good so well but, to, to add to that ken you're also not going to be able to call your lender and say hey i'm back in trouble again because they're yeah, yeah. They as far as they can no, I, I know. let's not go there. Let's not talk <laughs> about lenders. <laughs> uh, but I do, I, I want to ask Chip though. So on the topic of recovery and especially for how the urban markets have been um, slow recovered, I think late last night, the news probably broke that um, we're now going to have a travel corridor going on between the U.S. and the U.K. So do you expect that travel corridor to help out significantly or even in some small way? Well, look, you, you know how much our industry depends on international travel. Um, the UK took a very unique approach globally with the vaccines. You know, they were the one country that said, we're going to vaccinate everybody with the, first, with the first shot and then go back and get the second shot because the first shot provided so much coverage. And so by doing that, they really put themselves in a position to begin traveling internationally uh, sooner than most. And so I, I commend the administration. Uh, both of, of President Biden and, and Prime Minister uh, Boris Johnson for getting this done. That's that's really important stuff. Um, but I traveled internationally just last week, and I can tell you that it's actually a lot easier than most people think. I want to, I, I, I feel like I should get, be, be getting paid by Abbott Laboratories, but they've not sent me a check yet. But so they have a product now that allows you to do your 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 testing in the comfort of your own hotel room. And so I was sitting in a hotel room in Greece last week. 24 hours before I was ready to fly and I got on a computer and this was with all four of my kids and my wife. So all six of us did this. It was only 25 bucks a pop. So it's cheap. Sitting in a hotel room, you can get online. There's somebody on the other side. They can watch you take the swab test, put it in this little packet and show you the results in 15 minutes. And then they send it to your app and you're ready to go. And it, it worked like a charm. I went through three airports, no problem whatsoever. And those type things, that rapid low cost testing that you can do from the comfort of your own home, that is going to be key to international travel. So the technology is out there. We can make this happen. People are traveling safely um, and we got to get this going because, you know, Tejo, as you pointed out, Houston's a, a wonderful international city as well. We need visitors, not just from the UK. Uh, I saw an incredible map yesterday. I uh, can't remember who put it on LinkedIn, but you guys can probably find it. That showed the places on earth where people are, are prohibited from coming into the US and there was that huge block in Europe and you're like, why, why? I mean, why can't they come in if, they, if they're if they tested safely? It just, it doesn't make any sense. So we got to get this wow. going. Yeah. Again, thank you. <laughs> okay, well, thank you all so much. Um, Chip, it was great to have you on the show for all of your insights. Thank you so much for what AHLA is doing and Tejal, Thank you as well. Uh, it was great to, to have you on the show. We're going to have you on as a special host more often. So um, with that, Ken, do you want to say any final words? Um, oh, there's one other thing. I need to thank Surfer Quest for being our sponsor. I, I think I omitted them in the beginning, but they are an amazing sponsor for our show. So thank you so much, Surfer Quest. Ken, anything about next week or any closing remarks? Yeah, I mean, we've got... We're actually working on something at the moment, and I'm excited to bring on maybe our 
next third host, I would say, of the show. So uh, she was top Forbes women 2020. We haven't finalized it all, but we're hoping to. We're hoping to. So I'm a big believer of women in hospitality. I think everybody knows that at EV Hotel Group uh, with our all women advisory board and all the great women that work for us. So um, I want to keep that going with the industry. And, you know, I want to also thank uh, the International Hospitality Institute for having me on their board that they just announced yesterday. So, you know, um, and, you know, I, I couldn't thank Chip enough for accepting this invitation and in his very busy life that he does. And now maybe uh, I know where he's at most of the time, so maybe we'll get together more often. But, you know, I thank you, Chip. Thank you. Thank you, Tejo. Um, obviously, Ritu, I always thank you every day. <laughs> so. <laughs> thank you for having course, us. Ken. Thank you, guys. And uh, thank you for our audience okay. that tuned in today. Uh, we appreciate you as well. Thanks, guys. Good to see everybody. Good to see you. Bye, Chip. Have a good rest Bye. of the day. Bye, everyone. Take care. See you. <laughs>